Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the John 316 Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Rick Clark. Glad you're able to join uh, with us uh, this session as we are uh, looking uh, at some scripture. We're going to dive into some scripture this evening or whenever it might be you're uh, listening. It's uh, nighttime. It's about uh, 9 o'clock as I'm putting this together and recording it. So I don't know what time it is you're listening to this, but it's, uh, it's kind of late on my end. Uh, but we're going to look uh, at this uh, passage of Scripture, and uh, hopefully, uh, if I could uh, use this phrase, decalvinize uh, what this, uh, this passage. And uh, this is a passage that if you have any dealings with Calvinists, if you are in, uh, this de- in a debate with a Calvinist, or you are a Calvinist, then uh, you're pretty aware of this particular verse and passage that we're going to be looking at, and uh, that particular passage is Ephesians chapter 1. It's uh, one that is used uh, to, uh, as a proof text to prove uh, Calvinists and their view of election. And so this uh, session, we want to look at this verse and this passage and see if it really backs up what the Calvinist has to say about election. Uh, so particularly in Ephesians 1, when the Calvinists will speak of uh, election. And by the way, when, as we do this, I don't want anybody to think that I am uh, taking aim at our Calvinist brothers and sisters uh, particularly. I, I believe they're, they're good uh, people. I, I believe they're, they love the Lord. I believe they are Christians. Uh, so don't uh, misunderstand anything that I say in that aspect. I just believe that we have some misunderstandings about Scripture, and uh, I, I just want to be able to uh, get Scripture right. And so, and I know that the Calvinist wants to uh, get Scripture right. If I've learned anything from uh, my years uh, being a Calvinist, my years studying uh, Calvinist, uh, or studying after Calvinist, and studying Calvinism, and, and being a Calvinist for uh, almost 10 years. Uh, I know that the, the Calvinist has such a, a high view of Scripture uh, and, and they truly want to know what the Word of God says. And, and I'm the same way. I truly want to know what the Word of God says. I do not want to do the Word of God any injustice. And so I hope that we can listen to this and as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to be able to uh see what the scripture says and to see what the the lord is teaching us through this and so that's my goal for uh tonight and any other podcast that we might uh have before us um so we're going to look and see what uh this scripture actually teaches uh so uh, particularly when we think about ephesians 1 and the calvinist view uh we automatically go to verse number four And so uh, we'll read verse number four. It says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And so the Calvinists will see this verse, and uh, they, of course, they automatically go right to that word chosen uh, because that's their favorite word. Uh, Anytime you you see the word chosen in the scriptures, the, the Calvinists will go right to it or the word elect, and they'll say, you see, uh, being chosen and being elect is right here uh, in the Bible. And, 
And listen, I'm not arguing that whatsoever. Uh, I, I do know I, I would be I would be ignorant. I would be dumb to say that the scriptures do not teach uh, election. That the scriptures do not teach uh, predestination. I would be ignorant if I said they didn't teach those things. Uh, so, but I think that we just have a disagreement as to what these things mean and how they come about. And so, when the Calvinist looks at uh, verse number four of Ephesians one, um, they usually read it and they'll say, "You see, right there it says chosen. We were chosen before the foundation of the world." And so, what they uh, and to get that, we have to understand the uh, Calvinist view of mankind. And um, the Calvinist uh, teaches that uh, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And to that, I say, you're, you are absolutely right. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. Once again, I cannot deny that. I cannot go against what the Scripture clearly teaches. I mean, it's even in this book that teaches that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. In chapter one of, uh, I'm sorry, verse one of chapter two. So the Bible does teach that we are dead in our sins, and so, uh, and we'll get into to what that means uh, at a later date. Uh, but for now, let's, let's, we're just discussing uh, the Calvinist view of things right now. And so the Calvinist says, because we are dead in our sins, and when they say that we are dead in our sins, that means that we are uh, unable to come to Christ. We are unwilling to come to Christ. But they'll say because it goes against our nature, we're dead and. You'll often hear this asked, what can a dead man do? A dead man can't do anything. And so they uh, say that because we're dead and a dead man can't do anything, that uh, and if we and when the gospel call goes out to us, uh, because of our deadness, uh, our uh, depravity, uh, to, to use another term of uh, that Calvinists uh, used, the depravity, uh, we are... Uh, always going to reject Jesus Christ unless God in eternity past has sovereignly chose us. And so the, the Calvinist teaches that in eternity past, God looked at the mass of humanity and chose out certain people for himself uh, to, to be in Christ. So he said, he looks at all of uh, etern- all of uh, humanity that's going to be be born, and and uh, out of that uh, particular group of humanity, all of humanity, he chooses out some to be his, and these are known as his elect, and these are the ones that's going to be in Christ. And so the Calvinist says that because we are dead, we need God to do that. Uh, we need God. I. I I can't remember what famous Calvinist it was. I think it might have been Spurgeon uh, that said, "Thank God that God chose me uh, before I w- before the foundation of the world. Because if He'd uh, seen the sins that I've done, He wouldn't have chosen me after I was born, or, or something to that effect." Um, but it just says they just teach that you know they have been chosen before the foundation of the world, and uh, and those that have been chosen before the foundation of the world, these are the people that are going to be saved. And so the gospel call goes out, um, which is, a, and they say the general call that goes out to everybody, but to God's elect, they say there's an irresistible inward call that the Spirit gives, and that 
uh, spirit irresistibly draws the elect to Christ and places them in him. And so that's the teaching that Calvinists have, uh, especially concerning this verse. So it says that they were chosen before the foundation of the world to be in Christ. Now, as we look at this passage, is that really what it says? I want you to notice, as we look at this passage, I'm going to begin with verse number one, uh, because there's a phrase in verse number one that I want you to see, uh, because I believe it's it's paramount to what this passage teaches. In verse number one of chapter one, we read, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, uh, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, at the end of this, at verse 1, there's three words that uh, some derivative of this appears all throughout chapter 1. And that is that phrase, in Christ Jesus. So you, you'll see that or something similar to that, uh, being in Jesus, being in Christ, being in Him. You see that over and over again throughout this passage. And so uh, we continue reading. Uh, verse number three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There's that phrase again. And so verse number three, we see Paul, after he's made his salutation to the, to the church here, how he is uh, praising God. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praising God at this moment, and he speaks of these spiritual blessings. He says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. So every blessing that God has, he has blessed us with. He has blessed uh, his children with. Those that are, as he addresses them in uh, verse 1, uh, those that are the saints, those that are the faithful in Christ Jesus. And so he talks about this blessing. And the, are these blessings, plural, uh that's been bestowed upon us. But he says, how have they been bestowed upon us? He says, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, listen, in Christ. All right, there's that phrase once again. We saw it in verse number one, in Christ Jesus. We see it again in verse number three, in Christ. And then we also see it again in verse number four. Listen, very carefully. Verse number four says, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So according, how have, how have we been blessed? According, that's how this is verse number four answers it. According as he hath chosen us, listen, in him before the foundation of the world. You see, our blessings are in him. And verse number four teaches that the choice that the Father made of us is in Christ. So he has chosen who? He has chosen those that are in Christ. That's what verse this verse is speaking of. It, it doesn't say that he chose us to be in Christ. It says that he chose us in Christ. What is he getting at? This is what, uh, what I mentioned last in, our, in my first podcast here about the uh, corporate view of election, that anybody that's chosen is chosen 
because of Christ. They are in Christ. And so because they are in Christ, they are chosen. Christ, the Bible speaks of as being uh, the chosen one. Uh, you can read that, uh, Matthew chapter 12, uh, verse number 18, uh, speaks of Jesus being the chosen one, uh, the elect one. Uh, you, you, you can go and read all the prophecies concerning Christ, and, and you'll see how he is known as the chosen one or the elect one. And this offer uh, to be in Christ is not something that's only given to a select few, as the Calvinists would have you believe, but it is a offer that goes out to everybody, every individual. And if it, and, and it's the choice that is being presented. Do you want Christ or do you not want Christ? Do you want life or do you want death? Uh, just like in, uh, in Joshua's day when he said, Choose ye this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we, were, we will serve the Lord. So that's the question that is given to everybody. Who will you serve? Who are you? And if you are offered a choice, then there must be a will that you can exercise to make a choice. The Calvinist says that your will is bound up in sin and that unless God sovereignly opens your eyes and and removes that uh, and, and changes your will, you will not serve Christ. But I believe that the whole of Scripture teaches just the opposite. I believe the burden of proof is on the, the Calvinists to say that we don't uh, have a, a type of free will uh, to choose. Uh, whereas we see throughout Scripture that there is a choice given to follow Christ. Will you follow Christ? It's a universal invitation. Uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Uh, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who does he say? All ye that labor. Uh, John chapter 7, verse number 37. If any man thirst, let any man come unto me and drink. 1 Timothy 2, 4. Who will have all men to be saved. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 9 says that Jesus Christ says that he tasted death for who? For every man. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The scripture is clear that God doesn't love just certain people and want certain people to be saved. He wants everybody to be saved. That is God's will. But he gives you the choice to make the decision to follow Christ. We become chosen when we are in Christ. Now, I've heard where Calvinists will say that uh, that is a uh, more personal view uh, of election that they hold to because they say that uh, God chose us before the foundation of the world. And so uh, without any knowledge of who we are, God saved us. Uh, it was unconditionally. But listen, I, I just have a feeling that, that what, what I'm teaching 
from the Bible, I believe that that teaches a more personal view. Because just think, God didn't choose you before the world. You you come to Jesus Christ, and you choose him. And because of your choice of choosing Christ, God chooses you. And we're going to get into what God chooses you for here in a second. But just think, after you've been born, no matter what sin you have committed, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you're from, you come to Christ. And when you come to Christ and you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you, at that moment, become accepted. You see, Ephesians chapter 1 does mention a choice from the Father, but he's choosing people for a purpose. And that purpose, I believe, we must keep reading in order to find out. And as we look at this, remember, those that are in Christ are the ones that are chosen. And they're chosen, if you're in Christ, listen, you are chosen by God for something. And so when you come to Jesus Christ, you automatically, that's when you become elect. You're elect because you're in Christ. You're not in Christ because you're elect. That's not what the Bible teaches. I believe that's putting the cart before the horse. And so if we keep on reading, this choice of the Father is made for a, a purpose. Verse number four, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That's when this uh, all begins, this uh, purpose that he has. He says, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So he chose us in Christ. In other words, let's put that together. We, I believe that a lot of times we put the emphasis on the wrong in the wrong spot. He chose us in Christ. If you were in Christ, you were chosen before the foundation of the world for this reason, to be holy and without blame before him in love. In other words, if you were in Christ, you were chosen to be holy and without blame before him in love. Just as Ephesians, I'm sorry, just as Romans chapter 8 teaches that we are to be conformed to the image of his son. If you're in Christ, you were chosen to be holy and without blame before him in love. The purpose of this passage is really uh, to show us believers uh, a predetermined destiny. You see, I believe in election and I believe in predestination. I just don't believe it means what the Calvinist says that it means. And if and if you're a Calvinist or you, and you're uh, maybe like I was uh, looking for, maybe you you've just had some doubts about some things. I hope I hope this uh, podcast will be of some use to you. Um, and if you're not a Calvinist, or I'm sorry, if you are a Calvinist and and you've not been questioning uh, some things, maybe maybe this will cause you to question some things and and challenge you in your uh, beliefs. Uh, 
But this whole passage is preached is teaching us about the predetermined destiny of believers. That's what predestination is. It's a predetermined destiny. And so he says, before the foundation of the world, we were chosen to be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse number five, having predestinated us, who's us? Those that are in Christ, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And so this whole passage teaches this predetermined destiny. We will be holy. We will be without blame. Uh, we will be adopted uh, as children. Uh, we are redeemed uh, because of the blood of Christ. We are um, forgiven because of the blood of Christ. Uh, we have an inheritance that will be given to us. That's what our destiny has been etched out to be. If you're a, a child of God, then you have uh, you ha you have your one end result. You have an end uh, that you're going to that God has has paved the way for uh, through His Son Jesus Christ, and that is that you will be holy, blameless, adopted, uh, redeemed. And when I say redeemed, let me stop there. Uh, in a sense, we have been redeemed already, but in a sense, we have a future redemption that we hope for. Uh, we've been adopted as children, but we have a future adoption that we hope for. Uh, our sins have been forgiven. Uh, we've been promised an inheritance. Uh, and these are all promises that have been uh, given to us. Um, and all these things that Paul is speaking of in Ephesians chapter 1 is to the praise of his glory. Verse uh, number six says, uh, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Uh, verse number 12 says that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Uh, verse number 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the uh, redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, the Calvinists will hear me teaching all this and hear me uh, talk about free will, and, and, and they'll automatically jump up and say, so you're telling me that, that you've got something to praise yourself about? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Salvation is not based on anything I've done. Salvation is based on everything that God did through Jesus Christ. If, if a, a lifeguard reaches out his hand to a person that's, that's drowning, does a person that's drowning, uh, when he reaches up, does he pat himself on the back and say that he saved himself? And that he's got something to be proud of? By no means. That's what salvation is. Salvation is God reaching out his hand. And all we're doing is reaching out and grabbing his hand. And he is the one that is saving and delivering us. I believe wholeheartedly that salvation is of the Lord. And so this passage speaks clearly 
that we are saved by God's grace to be pray uh, for, to for him to be praised by us because it's him that we glory in it's to the praise of his glory that we are saved we didn't do anything but just accept the invitation and he is teaching us in this passage that we as his children he has paved a way he has made a predetermined destiny for us. And I've already went over that, the holiness, blamelessness, adoption, redemption, forgiveness, inheritance. And he has promised all of that to us because we're in Christ. He has promised it all to us. And he tells us how we know that we have these things. Verse number 13 tells us, in whom ye also trust, I'll start with verse number 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory, listen, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. Now, in other words, we trusted in Christ after we heard the word of truth. We, we heard the gospel of our salvation, and when we heard it, we trusted in Christ. We trusted Jesus Christ to save us. And then it says in verse number 13, in whom also after that ye believed. So what happened? We heard the gospel. We uh, trusted in Jesus. We believed in Jesus. And after we believed, it says we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that Holy Spirit is defined in verse number 14 as this, which is the earnest of our inheritance. That word earnest means a down payment. Much like if you were to, uh, if a, a man, when a man gives a wedding ring to a uh, a, a woman that he that he loves, it's a kind of a, a promise uh, that he wants to marry her and that he is going to marry her. In uh, biblical days, there was a dowry that would be paid, and that dowry was binding. That says that I'm. Uh, this is the earnest of uh, that I'm putting down that I'm going to marry uh, this woman and that I want to marry this woman and that I've got to go and uh, prepare a house that, uh, you know, an engagement lasted uh, at least a year uh, or a betrothment in uh, biblical days that lasted at least a year. And in that time, the, uh, the bridegroom would go and prepare a place for him and his bride to live. And, and so uh, when we are saved, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, which is that down payment, that earnest uh, that we are going to be received, that, that our redemption will be finalized, that our adoption will be finalized, that, uh, and we will finally uh, be completely purchased. We will uh, be completely His uh, when He comes back to us. John chapter 14 I go to prepare a place, and if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that you may be, that where I am, there you may be also. How do we know this? Because we have been given the Holy Spirit as the earnest of that expectation. That's what Ephesians 1 is talking about. It's not talking about how God arbitrarily chooses some people to be saved. 
No, it speaks about how God in his love has offered salvation and those that are in Christ uh, have a, a reward, an inheritance, a promise to look forward to. This, if you're listening to this, and man, and I'll, if you're not saved, I want you to know this: Jesus died for you, and all you've got to do is turn to Him in faith, trusting in Him, believing in Him, that He will save you. And when you put your faith in Christ. He saves, and he will give you the Holy Spirit as a promise that all that he has promised you, he will give to you, especially when he comes again to, to receive you to himself. That's what Ephesians 1 is teaching. Not, some, not, not the way the Calvinists view it. You have to read into it, uh, the Calvinist view. You have to read in verse number four, according as he hath chosen us to be in him before the foundation. But that's not what it says. It says that he chose us in Christ to be blameless. That's what it says. And this decision, this purpose that he has was made before the foundation of the world. Not your election. He didn't choose you before you were born. You come to Jesus Christ as a sinner, and when you come to Christ, Jesus, you are accepted despite all your sin. So you can come to Christ and say, and, and, and you see it throughout Scripture, no matter what sin you have committed, it is not too big that he will not forgive you. And so we, we clearly see that God loves us in spite of who we are. That's Ephesians 1.4. I hope it's been helpful to you. I hope I've been clear uh, as to what uh, I believe the Scripture is teaching and showing us. Um, feel free to comment on this. Um, uh, if you have any uh, questions, feel free to contact me. Uh, I believe there's a way you can do that by leaving a message on this podcast, and I'll uh, I'll get it and would be happy to respond. And so uh, until next time, uh, I appreciate you joining uh, with me this evening and looking at uh, Ephesians 1 and look forward to being with you next time here on the John 316 podcast. Uh, thank you and God bless you. Mm-hmm.